What's up, Freedom House? Hope everybody's doing great today. Did everybody have a good Christmas? Yeah. Come on, man. We had an awesome Christmas Eve service here. Hopefully you guys were here. Uh, we are Aaron and Stephanie Blant. We are the Central Campus Pastors. If you did not know it, we actually have three in-person campuses and an online campus, and we are taking this city by storm. Come on. And that's due to the vision and the leadership of our senior pastors, Troy and Penny Maxwell. Can we give it up for them? Come on. Come on. So, so exciting. Well, hey, we have a special service plan just for you. It's called a five-on-five. You're probably thinking, what is a five-on-five? Well, let me tell you. I'm so glad you asked. A five-on-five is where five speakers each have five minutes to share something amazing that God has done in their life. And this year, they're going to talk about how God has arrived on the scene of their life, maybe in a dark season, maybe in a messy moment, how God showed up for them. And we want you to get involved today. We need your help because some of these communicators have never even stood on this platform to communicate before. So they're going to need you to cheer them on. Can we do that for them? Yeah. Okay. So I'm about to give you the rules of engagement. And so I want you to be prepared and I want them to be prepared. All right. So. We're going to introduce the first speaker, and when we do, they're going to come to the platform. At that point, you're going to jump to your feet and give them a huge round of applause, all right? And then they're going to start speaking. Their five minutes starts when they start speaking. And then at one minute, when they have one minute left, they're going to see this one-minute sign. That means they need to start wrapping it up. That's right. Okay, and then they're going to see this 30-second sign, and then the next thing that happens is that there's going to be a 10-second countdown that appears on the screens, and so you'll see that come up. It's behind me. It's behind me. Okay, there it is. Four, three, two, one, and you'll hear this. That's a little buzzer. So at that point, you're going to jump to your feet, and you're going to cheer them on one more time, and then we'll introduce our next speaker. Okay? Can you guys do that? Are you ready? You guys for with that? us? All right. Okay, so this is an interactive service. That means everybody gets to participate today. <laughs> so. Get ready because these communicators have incredible stories that they're going to share. And our very first communicator, I'm so excited to introduce. She has been with us probably a little bit less than a year, but man, she came in by storm. When she showed up, everybody knew it because she is on fire for Jesus. And when you watch her worship Jesus, she just lays it all out. She puts it all out there and she's going to do the same today as she communicates something that God has done in her life. Um, she is an intern here at Freedom House, and she's here just about every time the doors are open. And so I want you to jump to your feet. Come on, jump to your feet. Give it up for Tony Bowles. Well, merry day after Christmas, guys. So around Christmas time, we talk about the arrival of Jesus into the world. I want to tell you a story about the arrival of Jesus into my world. See, Isaiah 60 verse 2 is a prophecy about Jesus being born. It talks about how the world was just heavy with darkness, but his glory, his light came to arise and shine over us. See, when I picture that, I think of Jesus as a flashlight, that he stepped into darkness just to help us find the way out. See, I was in darkness not too long ago. There was always just something missing. You know, you try to fill it with the, the drinking, the partying, the smoking, the relationships, popularity, you name it. And it just wasn't working. You know, I stopped just 
stopped and looked at myself and I was like, this isn't right. So I changed. I stopped letting people walk all over me just to be accepted. And it felt a lot better. (laughs) I met this guy named Danny. He was a gentleman. He treated me right. He was the best friend I had ever had. Just a couple months in, we started dating. We did everything together. We talked about our future. We took care of our dog, Hope. It was the fairy tale. Then October 1st of 2020, I got a call from one of his friends. I was waiting at home for him to get home. So I thought it was just him saying, hey, I'd be out for a little longer, but it wasn't. It was his friend. And he told me that Danny had been in a car accident, that he didn't know where he was or even if he was okay. Well, what do I do? Where do I go? Like, I was speechless. I had nothing. Right at that moment, my mom walked in. I told her what was going on, and she said, I saw the ambulances on the way in. I know where to go. So we got in the car, and we rushed there. It was three minutes away. We were there for what felt like forever, but the worst just never crossed my mind. Yeah, we might have some little hospital bills to pay for. We might have a couple of tickets, you know, nothing too big. He was okay. There he was fine. So I was ready to just go give him a hug. We were waiting there forever. Then the medics finally walked up to me and they said, sweetie, I am so sorry. He died on impact. (laughs) My brain just quit. I just looked at my mom and I said, mom, can we go home? I got in the car and I lost it. Are you kidding me? How can you take someone that I love so much? How is that fair? How is that okay? You know, and it didn't get any better. (laughs) Three months later, our dog, Hope, she got hit by a car on his birthday. (laughs) All my friends left because they just didn't want to deal with it. All I had was my mom. After all that, I was so angry. My mom said, give it to God. He would rather you be angry with him than than not talk to him at all. But what was that going to do? He let this happen. He didn't stop it. He's not gonna bring them back. Why should I talk to him now? I had a friend invite me to church, but yeah, like that would do anything either. I grew up in church. All they did was judge you and talk about you behind your back. And that was not what I needed right now. But she was persistent and I went anyway. And I found out very quickly that I was wronged. These Freedom House people, They actually cared about you. (laughs) They taught me to lay everything down at the feet of Jesus. And I got to see that all the friends leaving made room for the true friends that I had always wanted. He took my pain. He turned it into peace. He took my tithe. He gave me a house to rent. See, it all worked together. See, his arrival in my life made a home in my heart. And that's what he intended for everyone. See, when Jesus was born, a star, a light, was there to point the ways for the wise men to find him in the dark of night. See, Jesus gave me a star, and that was you guys. He used his light and shined through people, community, to help me find my way out of the darkness. John 1.5 says that the light is here. And it can never, never be extinguished. Guys, Jesus came to be light, to overcome the darkness. It's here. Just turn it on.
Awesome. Don't you love the fact God's in the restoration business? Come on. He restores your hope. I mean, come on. That is such a phenomenal testimony. Oh, my goodness. I love it. Great job, Tony. Well, our next speaker, I have the privilege of bringing up. They've been at Freedom House for several years now. You've probably seen him if you go down to FH Kids area. He's serving down there. As a matter of fact, he even won our Father's Day award one year. Steaks and seasoning and everything, man. How cool is that? But that's just all about being a part of the Freedom House. You just never know what's going to happen. But anyways, if you would, give me a loud Freedom House welcome for Anthony Hayes. Good morning. I'm here to talk to you today about faith being a two-way street. Now, Jesus said in Luke 11:28 that even more blessed are those who hear the word of God and put it into practice. See, what he's saying is God's blessings are always standing by, waiting on us to trust him for them. See, he is trustworthy. His mere word is the stuff of creation. But us, on the other hand, we can be trusted about as far as we can be thrown. <laughs> See, I've read and I've been told that God is always faithful to show up in our lives, but are we faithful enough to believe him? For generations, the Hebrew people had heard prophecies all the way from God himself down to Isaiah, saying that through them, through one of them, the Messiah would be born who would save the world from all of our sins. But when Jesus Christ arrived, only a few people actually believed him, and they were blessed. And then others rejected him and missed out on the opportunity to learn from our Father, our Creator in flesh. This past year, my wife and I decided to test our own faith in God. See, we believed in tithing, which is giving 10% of our income to our home church, ever since we've been a couple for some 20-odd years or so. <laughs> but we'd never gone above the tithe or we never committed to go above the tithe. Uh, in short, we didn't trust people, and so we didn't trust God enough. <clears throat> See, we would give some here and there, but on our terms. But this past year, we decided to make a kingdom builder commitment. Um, if you don't know, the kingdom builder commitment is making a personal commitment to give a specific and personal amount above and beyond your tithe throughout the year. And as we did that, <laughs> we saw God show up in our, in our lives in an incredible way. So it was, it was evident that God wanted us to step out on faith. And so as we took it upon ourselves, believed in him to relieve our clenched fists off of the resources that he gave us and give them back to him, I said our life was different. Uh, collectively, we made more money than we've ever made this year. And... We've uh, paid off all of our debts <laughs> for you uh, Dave Ramsey fans out there. <laughs> but even in the midst of all of this goodness, sometimes life throws something at you that, you that you just don't anticipate. And so this past August, the same year that we paid our last bill, we were greeted at our door by a stranger telling us that our son had been hit by a car. <clears throat> you can't imagine what all went through my head. <laughs> I mean, it was... Uh, 
Things such as my son could be hurt or it could be worse. I mean, why? Why did we just let him ride his bike to karate class, which we did throughout the summer? Google Maps says that it's only a three-minute drive from our house to the site of the accident, but it seemed like an eternity. Oh, let me tell you. <laughs> it, it just so many things were going through my mind, like if Romans 8.28 is true, and um, sorry, Romans 8.28, <laughs> all things work together for the good of them who love Christ and are called according to his purpose, then how is losing my son good? Is this a test of my faith? It's like, I know, I know that God is faithful. Regardless of whatever the outcome is going to be, he's faithful to his word, and he will fix this. And so when we approached the scene, I saw him sitting up, and he was uh, looking around as they were taking him away on the stretcher. And uh, I was quietly relieved and just said, thank you, Father. <clears throat> After that, we rushed to the hospital, and for the next several hours, we were going on a roller coaster ride of emotions as we were praying, we were waiting on doctors, we were notifying family and friends, and we kept hearing things that was trying to offset us, such as he had two legs broken, and then we're hearing he had two bones broken in the same leg, and then it was he's going to need screws to repair his leg, and one leg is going to be shorter than the other one. But through all of that, through all of that, he made it through surgery. His physician and his uh, physical therapist were all shocked at the rate of his recovery. And because of our faith, because of our faith at trusting God with our resources that we normally hold on to, we were able to believe God for something more than we've ever believed before. And you see, faith is a two-way street. We were faithful to God with our resources, and he was faithful to us in our time of need. <laughs> Thank you. Good job. Wow, absolutely incredible. I love how God showed up and gave him peace throughout that whole situation and his protection over his son. Isn't God amazing? Truly, truly amazing. And we can lean into him when we experience those scenes that we never expected would show up for us. I'm so, so thankful for him for that. Our next speaker, I'm so excited about. Uh, she's come to Freedom House just this year. She comes from Richmond, Virginia. She's known pastors for years and years and years and came to Charlotte to be a part of this church. She's now the Assistant Director of Ministries on staff, and she has an incredible story she wants to share with you today. So once again, get your exercise in, jump up to your feet, and welcome Melissa Rice. March 30th, 2020, I went for a walk in my driveway and collapsed. A nurse who lived on a road not far from my house, whom I did not know, suddenly changed her plans, jumped in her car, and decided to drive down my road to do some shopping in a nearby town. She saw me, called 911, and waited with me for the ambulance. And then my family waited for news and then we waited for MRI results. The results, there was a golf ball-sized tumor behind my right eye pressing into my brain. Surgery was required 
and soon. So two weeks later, we waited again. This time for me to come out of surgery and then for pathology results. No one likes waiting. And yet every day we wait in lines, in traffic, in meetings. And no matter what the waiting looks like, most people don't like it. Yet the Bible is full of people who waited. And even the Christmas story comes at the end of centuries of waiting. And we often ask the wrong questions during challenging seasons. We ask why when we should ask what. We ask God when when God is asking us when. The tumor was pronounced benign. My surgical team was able to remove it entirely. My brain moved perfectly back into position, and my surgeon said that my recovery was remarkable. All was well. And yet, I was asking God why. Why did I have a brain tumor in the first place? And yet, I heard his answer, don't ask why, ask what. What are you willing to let me do in your life as a result of this situation? Well, first I have to clarify, God did not give me the brain tumor. The Bible is clear, Jesus is our healer. He's never the author of sickness or tragedy or disaster. And just because good comes out of a bad situation does not mean God caused the bad or wanted the bad to happen in the first place. But God was clear. I had to change my question, and that made all the difference. So whatever season you're in, pay attention to the questions that you're asking. If I had continued to ask why, I'm sure I would have eventually gotten some answers. But so what? Would that have changed my situation? No. And it would never have connected me to my purpose. So I began to ask what? What could God do in my life as a result of my situation? Well, for one, as Pastor Stephanie referenced, he moved my family to Charlotte. So when we found out about the brain tumor, my husband looked up Freedom House and watched a service. And how we knew about the church is kind of a long story, but the crisis we were in pushed him to look up the church. We became part of the online campus and pretty soon, my question, my what instead of my why, changed our geography. And for people like my husband and me who never change anything, that was huge. But we decided that God's unreasonable arrival on the scene in our lives required an unreasonable response from us. And here we are. Now, when is also a question that we ask when we're waiting. And I was asking all kinds of wins. When was my surgery going to be? When would my recovery finally be over? And import, most importantly, when would my life get back to normal? I had a date for surgery, and I knew how long recovery would take. So that part of the waiting was easy. The part of waiting that was hard for me was the part there was no deadline attached to. And that was waiting to figure out what was the meaning in my situation. I was asking lots of when questions, but my biggest question for God was, when are you going to turn my season and use it for my good? But it turns out God was waiting for me because he was waiting for me to let him use my season to change me. What's important about the question when is who is doing the asking. So whatever is happening in your life, 
Don't try to change your season. Instead, ask God to use the season to change you. Ask God what, what does he want to do in you during this season, and then watch what he does with your life. Great job. Come on. Who's asked why in here before? Come on. Let's be honest up in church. I think we've all asked why. But God says, how about this? Let me take your mess and turn it into a message. Let me take your past and turn it into a great future. Come on, I got some good news for you. And even though it may look dark in the moment we're walking in, God has a bright future for us. Amen? Amen. Well, our next speaker I'm excited to bring up to the platform. You've probably seen him when you walk in the front doors. He's our lead greeter, and uh, he's a phenomenal family. He's a father of two, a husband of one. <laughs> that's a good thing. That's a good thing. Yeah, but his family's awesome. Can you give me a big welcome for Paul Baldwin? Hey there. My name's Paul, and I'm a PK. What that stands for is actually I'm a pastor's kid. So church for me growing up was not like it normally is for if you're not a pastor's kid. I was in church Monday through Sunday. If there was another day of the week, just add it in there. Um, and it was something that I was placed to be. I had no purpose in being. So I was there as an occupation, just doing it every single Sunday, multiple times a week, created a wedge. Honestly, it made church a chore. Nobody likes doing chores. So I got to a place to where I was older, I could make my own decisions, I knew what was good for me. So at that time I was actually married as well, so I actually took my wife, myself, and we left church. I turned my back on God, I turned my, my back on the blessings he had, but I kept him in there when I needed it. I was writing my own little script, and I was like, oh here, just a little bit of Jesus. That's not a good thing. My story reminds me about another person that turned their back on God. Peter is a disciple of Jesus. In the Bible, there's a moment when Peter is at the arrest scene of Jesus, even goes as far as to defend Jesus physically before he gets arrested. But what happened after he got arrested is very interesting. Peter was like Jesus' dude. Like he was next to him all the time, 24 hours a day, he was there. But what Peter did when Jesus arrested he tried to survive and got with the wrong crowd, as did I, so many times. And when he asked, do you know this man? He said, no. I did that too. I walked away from Jesus. It wasn't about my relationship with God or my purpose with God. It was about me and what I thought was best for my life. Now, but I knew it was something missing. So what I did is I, me and my wife actually decided that we'd come to church. We would be at church. We were at Freedom House for years, and we were doing, unfortunately, a very common journey back into church. It was that one foot in the door, one foot out the door, not committed to either side whatsoever. We were literally just coming in, living that checklist church life. I did it this week. I'm good to go. I don't need anything else. I got all the other stuff. Did it years here. But you know what's funny is they always say, if you ever want to make God laugh, tell him you know what you're doing. God had a plan. 
God's presence was shown to me by a gentleman that's no longer here. He's up in heaven with him. But his name was Bob. For years and years and years, I was doing that one step in, one step out. Please don't talk to me life. But Bob was consistent. He was a true showing of redemption of God's love. The guy was so bright, you had to wear sunglasses inside. It was insane how much God was showing me through him. But every time he smiled, it was just another chip of that rock being bursted away. It got to a place where I was just like, man, I don't know what is going on with this dude, but I got to get some of it. Like, it's, it's like God is just pouring through him to me. And it was, it was something that just continued to resonate. So I told my wife, and I said, you know what? It's time. If I'm going to get back into church, I'm going to do it. I took our, our, our um, Freedom House membership class called Get on Track. I looked at her. I said, after learning about this foundations of this church, I was like, we're doing it 100%. Our time, our tithe, our offering, everything. And it's interesting. After doing that, I realized that I came back. But until I came back, I didn't know what I left. Another story in the Bible that I want to reference really quick is in Luke 15, 11 30 through 32, called the prodigal son. It's a pretty well-known story. But essentially, this guy does the same thing. He turns his back on his father, his covering, his protection, and runs away. The story ends, essentially, he's ending up in a, in a pit, and he has to come back to, he has to realize, I, I'm at the bottom and I need to return. With me growing up, my daddy was my, my father, who was either my daddy when I was having fun, or my father when I was in trouble. When he decided, that son decided to walk back, he thought he was coming back to his father. He thought he was gonna be chastised. How dare you do this? How shameful are you? But his daddy welcomed him. His daddy came out with a robe, threw it over his back, covered him with that peace, that amazing uh, patience and love that God has. When I walked away, I dropped that covering. Very similar that robe, per se, of that true protection, that true peace, that true patience that God had for me. But the cool thing is, is he didn't pick it up and put it away in a coat room. He picked it up and walked behind me the whole time I was walking away. And when I turned around, he was waiting there. And all I, the one thing I could say is that the one thing I missed as a child that I felt that I needed and I saw that God used Bob to show me was consistency. So his story is one of God's consistent love. No matter how far we go, God still chases us down until we turn back around. I love that. And what I love about this story is that God's presence is still there even when we don't welcome it. Even when we say, you know what, God, I don't want anything to do with you. He does not leave us. He is still there just waiting for us to turn around at any moment. So incredible. Hey, our next speaker I'm super excited about because this gentleman gives all he's got every single week to your FH kids. Arrows classroom, first through fourth graders. He teaches them. He leads them. He has fun with them. He makes it amazing. And uh, he's just been so faithful to this house. And so I want you to jump on your feet one last time and give it up for Michael Ott. Thank you. Well, I want to talk to you today about the Lord's arrival in my life in a very unexpected moment. 
I mean, it was an encounter that I had with God that I will never, ever forget. You see, I was in my early 20s, and I was in a relationship that had crossed the line. It had gotten into sin. And it wasn't like I didn't know any better, because I did. You see, I was a Christian. I knew better. And yet, I allowed it to happen anyway. And so it was on this one particular Saturday morning, I woke up, and I was just filled with this tension and this stress because of the mess I was in. Have you ever found yourself in a place similar where you're just so overcome with fear, with stress, uh, with shame? Uh, maybe you, you just can't figure your way, which direction to go. You just felt stuck. That was me on that day. And as all this turmoil is going on on the inside of me, the thoughts began to race through my mind. What would happen if someone found out? What if she's pregnant? Would I have to marry her? How would I raise a family? How would our parents react? So with all this stress, with all these thoughts, and then the disappointment that I knew it would bring my mother, that was more than I could take. And standing there at the foot of my bed, I just sank to the floor and I began to weep uncontrollably. And as I'm there weeping, suddenly God's presence just arrives in my room. And it started as what felt like thick, warm honey just being poured onto the top of my head. And as it poured down along the sides of my face and it dripped down to my shoulders, this overwhelming uh, love just swept over me. It was awesome. I could feel the fear just melt off me. The, the heaviness just lifted off of me. It was absolutely amazing. I mean, I'm telling you, it was so real. It actually shocked me. It stopped me from crying. I mean, one moment I'm, <laughs> what, what is this? That, that's what it was like. And then I was suddenly aware of just how much God still loved me. You see, what made it even more amazing for me in that moment in that moment was I hadn't even asked God to forgive me yet. You see, I was more concerned about getting out of the mess of my sin than I was about repenting for it, which means to change direction. If my sin is this way, I'm going to repent and I'm gonna to go towards God. So as a result of his unexpected arrival in my sinfulness, his incredible love, his incredible grace and mercy, it gave me the courage to make the decisions that I could change the course and the direction I was heading in so I could pursue him. It was literally Romans chapter four, verse two taking place right there in that moment that says it is the goodness of God that leads us to repentance. All this month, we've been learning and anticipating his arrival. And when I think about some of the details that surround Jesus' birth, I find it so interesting that when the angel spoke to the shepherds, that it was at night, in a time of darkness. Hmm. You know, and then when the shepherds actually found the baby Jesus, they found him in the messiness of a feeding trough for animals. You see, in those details, I saw something I never realized before. That Jesus came in our darkness, in the sinfulness of humanity for one simple reason, so that we could find him.
You see, in our sinfulness, we could never go where he was. We'd never be able to find him. So he decided to come where we were in the dark. You see, John 12, 46, Jesus says this, I have come into the world as a light so that no one who believes in me should stay in darkness. You see, as the light, Jesus is willing to step into our dark, into our messy, into the dirty places of our lives. Why? So he can set us free from it. And that's exactly what happened to me on that Saturday morning. You see, he arrived in my, dark, my darkness, in my sinfulness. And believe me, it was the last place that I would ever have expected to find a holy, righteous God. But he did not condemn me. He did not shame me. He just simply showed me how much he loved me. And that's what set me free to pursue him. You see, my dark and messy sin kept me from him. But his arrival liberated me for him. Yes. But, and I don't want you to miss this. Listen carefully. How often... Do we try to delay his arrival because of the dirty, messed up, flawed areas of our lives? Thinking somehow that we have to get it all together before we will actually allow him all the way in. Or before we can actually commit to the church. Or before we can really serve and get to know him. Can I just say this? You don't have to arrive. He's already arrived for you. Amen? You see, Jesus has already made you acceptable to the Father. He has seen you in your worst jacked up self. And he says, I love you with an everlasting love. Man. So how about this? Instead of trying to fix it all first, that we just surrender it all. And invite him into the struggle. Invite that light into that dark place. Lay it all down at his feet. So where we do that, we can exchange it for the love, the grace, the mercy that we've all been longing for. You see, that's how he arrived in my life. And I know he'll do the same for you. Would you please stand? You know, this same love, this same grace and mercy that all of these wonderful speakers have shared and testified about, it's available in this room today for anyone and everyone. This is the purpose for which Jesus arrived, to set us free from the sin, from the dark, from the messiness of our lives, to restore us in right relationship with God, our creator. And perhaps you're here today and you've never surrendered your life to Christ. And maybe you've had the thoughts, oh, I could never do that. You see, you don't know what I'm into. You don't know what I've done. My life is such a mess. How could God ever accept me? I got news for you, we're all a mess. That's why Jesus had to do for us what we could not do for ourselves. But maybe you're that person that because of what you've heard with these wonderful testimonies today, that maybe you're beginning to think, you know what? Maybe he's really not here to condemn me. Maybe this Jesus you're talking about 
really wants to rescue me. And it is the truth. Could I ask everyone, please, to bow your head? Because I want to give you an opportunity if you are that person today. You've never accepted Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. You've been trying to fix things, and you're realizing it just isn't working. And maybe, maybe you get it together for a little bit, but it seems to always fall apart later. That's because behavior modification will never answer what you really need. You need a heart transformation. And that's what Jesus does. He's not asking for perfection. He's not asking for you to get it all right. All he's asking is to surrender and let him in. He'll take care of the rest. If that's you today, and you want to accept Jesus as your Lord and Savior, and take care of these places in your life, I'm gonna ask you on the count of three, if you would just slip up your hands so, you, so I could see who I'm praying for. One, two, three. Go ahead, put those hands up, thank you. Thank you, I see those hands. Thank you, thank you. Wonderful, anyone else? Awesome. Go ahead, you can put those hands down and with everyone still with your heads bowed, I wanna ask this other question. Maybe you've been like me. As a believer, you find yourself stuck in a dark, in a messy place. You're no, you know you're not supposed to be there, but you just can't quite to seem to get over that thing. And you don't feel like you can go all in with God, so you've held him off. He's been knocking at that door. He's arrived, but he's waiting for you to open it so he can come all the way in. If that's you today, and you want, you finally want to put this behind you, and you want to surrender it all today, I'm going to ask you on the count of three also, if you would just lift your hands so that I could pray for all of us. One, two, three. Thank you. Yes, go ahead. Lift them up high. Yes, thank you. Awesome. Awesome. Anyone else? We want to make sure everyone has this opportunity because he is so good. You've heard it today. Everything that he's said through all these people. God is good, gracious, loving, and merciful. Amen. Let's pray. Father, you see every hand and every heart that is surrendering to you. I ask you to do for them what you've done for me and for so many others. I'm asking for you to pour out your love your grace, your mercy, your forgiveness on us, and let us be overwhelmed with your love and kindness and goodness, Father, so that we can be set free to pursue you with every fiber of our being. We, right now, Father, we lay down our lives. We lay down these dark, messy places. We invite you in, and we say, Lord, be Lord. Be Savior and rescue us. We need you, and we want you. Thank you, Jesus. Could you just please repeat after me? Say, Lord Jesus, thank you for arriving in my darkness, in my sin, in my mess, and setting me free from it. Today, Lord, I surrender it all. Forgive me. Come into my heart. Be my Lord. Be my Savior. My Rescuer. All the days of my life.
I thank you for it, Jesus, for setting me free. In Jesus' name we pray, amen, amen.